Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 U.S. Open DraftKings picks and preview all the players from each range. Kicking off U.S. Open Week on the Pat Mayo Experience. So please, smash the like button to the episode. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network while you're here watching the video version. And in the comment section, please tell me your two favorite plays below $7,000 this week at Torrey Pines. Only the South Course this time around. It's probably going to be a whole lot different than you normally see at the Farmers Insurance Open, where, remember, they only play three rounds during that tournament at the South Course. The North Course, of course, hosts one of those. So this week, Saturday, obviously you're watching this, that is the DraftKings Pick Show. Sunday, the research show, which I will go through Fantasy National, look at all the stats, build some models, and try to do some projections of who has the best chance of winning this U.S. Open. Now, if you want to get a head start on everything and use all of the tools at FantasyNational.com, here's what you do. Go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. It gives you 20% off. That way you'll have the simulator, the lineup generator, the custom model, the ownership projections, everything you meet, the head-to-head simulator if you only want to make head-to-head wagers, plus all the live stats we'll have running through everything, fantasynational.com slash mayo. So that's on Sunday. Monday, Feinberg and I making our bets for the week. Tuesday, Rick Gammon and I are going to actually go player by player for like the first 75 players in the field to say whether we're in or we're out on that player. Then Wednesday, the live chat noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network and everything will be available up on the Mayo or the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast feed as well. You want to play in the Listener's League link? Well, you better get in quickly. I limited it to 5,000 spots. They were like, Pat, you should make it 7,000 spots. I was like, no, 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 this is a major. It's an invitational tournament from me to you, although it is open to anyone to play. But you can find the link in the description of this show right now. Three max entry, $15 to play. No rake, thus making it the best tournament on DraftKings. Much higher likelihood you do well in this tournament than you do in the Millionaire Maker this week, although there's plenty of million-dollar prizes on DraftKings. And if you do want to get into some of those tournaments, I'm giving away cash, too. Come Wednesday, if you follow me at the PME on Twitter, I should have around... Anywhere between $300 and $600 to give away in terms of free Millionaire Maker tickets. But in the meantime, there are two ways that you can just win cash from Pat Mayo into your, well, I guess PayPal account. Because, you know, I don't have Venmo because I'm not in the United States. So PayPal it is. What we're looking for here is two ways to do it. And you can find this in the description. One. The Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Subscribe to that, but leave the five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Something nice about the show. Even if you've already done it, this moves you back to the top of the queue to make sure that I see it. So 
leave your Twitter handle or email address as a way that I can reach out to you. So five stars, something nice, Twitter handle, email address after you subscribe to the audio podcast. Might as well download it if you have the ability to do that too. And then there is a separate feed called Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets The Mix. Currently running all of our shorter form content, the European slant on the US Open is going to be up there. Everyday Euro picks, uh, everyday Wimbledon picks coming up, plus esports, UFC, all short form content up on that feed as well. I have a hundred dollars to give away on that one so if you're going to leave the review on the pat mayo experience one please go to daily fantasy sports picks and bets a mix the link is in the description right now as well click on that again five-star review something you enjoy even if you don't listen just enjoy it uh and subscribe to it along with the twitter handle and email address so i think in total i'll be giving away like a thousand bucks so please help out the show by doing this and maybe you can get some cash in your pocket as well that was a long preamble ben raza from awesomeo.com is on the line right now. This is no, we broke you and Rick up into two separate shows and it still goes just as long. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, it is. Uh, that is a mystery that I, I don't know, but you know what? It's, it's major season. That's all right. We got a lot to talk about with this U.S. Open field. Well, let's start with the field at large and the course. This is going to play as a par 71. We're used to seeing this as a par 72, and they can push it right to the tips if they want to, but it's going to be like 7,700 yards. They'll screw around with the tee boxes day to day, but it's going to be incredibly long. And if you just go back and look at the past winners of the U.S. Open, I mean, Spieth at Chambers Bay, sure, Dustin did come second that year, but then you have Dustin, you have Brooks, you have Woodland, you have Bryson. These are all guys that fucking crush it off the tee like in when i go through the research and the modeling on that show on sunday i'm just gonna wait driving distance very very heavily that's not to say that like luke list is going to win this week but the good players who hit it longer are at such an advantage at u.s opens and it's not because the holes are long and they have this extra distance you know oh yeah they're just gonna be hitting wedges in no it's not like that it's the fairways are so hard to hit in these USGA setups, and we saw Bryson and Wolf both exploit this last year, is that they just bombed it as far as they could, and their shots from the rough were actually able to get on the green, unlike everyone else's. So I think that's the approach that a lot of guys are going to take. I'm not really waiting the Farmers Insurance Open at all into the mix this week for me, Ben. That's always the weird, you know, sometimes with this, when you get a course that we've seen, this happened a little with Quail Hollow, uh, it's tough to know what exactly we're going to do. Like Wingfoot was a different animal, of course, but we see Tory South every year. Uh, and I, I do think I'm most likely going to throw it out a little bit just because this is the U S open. They can set it up completely differently. And you're right. Uh, when the rough is this punishing, uh, it's not to say everyone's going to be in it, but you certainly want to be closer to the hole because if you don't drive it far and you're in the rough, then you, you absolutely have no shot on most of these holes to get up and down. Uh, I did just sort of, people do want to know, Tory Pine South, I'm just pulling this from fantasynational.com, slash mail for that 20% off, by the way, uh, just past four years at Tory Pine South, if you're looking for the 10 best players in this field, T to green at Tory Pine South, so it throws up the North Course dating back to 2018, Rory Finau, Rose Scott, Tom Hoagie in eight rounds somehow, Patrick Reed, John Rahm, Bubba Watson, Max Homa, and Francesco Molinari would be your top 10. A lot of long hitters and then a lot of like short game specialists. Yeah. So that's the other way. I mean, Reed is going to be a guy that's going to be very interesting because he's one at farmers and he's, he just doesn't do it uh, like these other guys. The other way to get around this is to just be immaculate, to be able to, you know, lay up uh, out of the rough and then you, you still get up and down. You can, you can save a lot of strokes like that. 
Molinari does it just by hitting a premium on fairways. So there's a couple of different wrinkles, but overall, I still think that you, you want to be pretty aggressive off the tee, not in a stupid way, but you need some distance. Yeah, like you don't need to be rostering Derek Ernst, A, because he's not in the field, but B, because he's not going to be finding any fairways. Plus, he's not any good after that. Just having driving distance isn't going to do it for you. You do need to have the rest of the game. But it, Derek Ernst. And you remember Derek Ernst? He won at Quail Hollow one year. Not I can't say I was going more like Andrew Lupe is the guy I always use in that example. Remember he, him? Yeah. A- Andrew Riviere Dalu. I cashed a huge, I cashed a first round leader on him and it was the year after Derek Ernst at Quail Hollow. Just a reminder when you get to quiet Quail Hollow next year, bombers take a lot of bombers. They can do well there. There you go. Uh, yeah. So again, in this field, I was, com- I don't know about complaining before the show, but Man, when you get to the bottom, like you could have told me that guy was in the field and I would have believed you because there's 60 guys that I'm not stunned or in, but man, the qualifiers really, really threw some interesting names into this field. Yeah. Unlike the PGA championship where you feel like you could have got respectable value once you got rid of all the pros and then you kind of go up a little bit to that, like 63, 64, 65, like Adam Hadwin was $6,300 at the PGA championship. Not great by any means. I don't even know if he made the cut. Maybe he did, but you didn't feel horrible putting him into your lineup. You go down there right now at $6,300. Like, I don't know who Charles Osborne is. So that's tough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Osborne, uh, probably not going to be able to, yeah, there are some, I mean, we could do a whole show on that. Just a lot of guys that I, I don't know who they are, and that makes it difficult. And that's going to be, you know, impactful when we talk about lineup construction. I, I know we're just coming off the memorial pretty recently, and that was the situation when you had, you know, Stanley and Knox at 6,100, and you could build so aggressive. I don't think the U.S. Open is even going to remotely resemble that type of roster construction. No, about as far down as you want to go, unless you're in love with hot fire Dylan Maya, who is 6,200, I think. Like, then you're looking at, like, Bob Shelton, who did play well at Tory, but, you know, we don't care about that. Like, Sam Ryder is $6,400. Like, you're really scraping, and this is a field of 156 players, and it's only the top 60 in ties making the cut at the U.S. Open. I think that people always forget that, because you said that you always do really poorly at the U.S. Open. I feel like I always do really poorly at the U.S. Open. I think everyone just does kind of poorly at the U.S. Open, because the 6 of 6 percentage is going to be somewhere around, I don't know, 2%. Yeah, there's been years, uh, the Aaron Hills year, was legitimately six of six. I remember being in a couple of tournaments, large fields, and there was like a dozen six of sixes. Um, and that can happen here. So it is kind of a different type of build. It's not to say, I mean, you're always trying to get six of six through, but this, you know, going low, it's hard to imagine many of these guys find the weekend. All right, well, let's go to the top then. I'm going to be focusing on driving distance, uh, long proximity, like all all sorts of approach. But Ben kind of laid it out. I want these long approaches from beyond 200 yards to be very good. But if you're really good from 100 and in, that can save you a lot of strokes along the way too because guys are going to have to chop out of this super thick rough and they're going to have 87 to the pin to get it up and down. If they're capable of doing that at a very high rate, they're going to save themselves a lot of strokes. And I would focus a ton on putting but when it comes down to, you know, it doesn't matter how good of a putter you are, making a bunch of 12-foot par putts, either you're making them that week or you're not. It doesn't really matter how great of a putter you are. Take someone like Leishman, who won at this course. That's how he ended up winning that week on Sunday. He 
he had three fairways and he was left with a bunch of 10 to 15 foot par putts and he made 90% of them. That's just not going to happen all that often. So you don't want to bank on that part. Just take the guys that are going to be closer to the hole on these ones. 10K and above, John Rahm is the most expensive player, 11-2. Spieth is 10-9. DJ, Bryson, and Brooks. You have those five guys. Rom is expected to clear COVID protocol after testing positive and helping a lot of us out with Patrick Cantley outright winning tickets because that those were not going to cash at that point. Uh, he's 11-2. I think he's still going to be popular, but there is a chance that you know this is more prolonged and he doesn't get a chance to play. I don't expect that, but he will probably not have had much to do here until like a day or two before the U.S. Open. Does that concern you with Rom? Not really. Uh, of course, it was a freak situation and just ridiculous on so many levels, but we, the game is in good shape. Uh, you know, looking at Tory South, the course, there's really nothing that I can see that would cause him, you know, more problems than anybody else. He's just a good player. I think he's kind of built for these type of conditions. And he's the top price guy, which I kind of like, just in the sense that maybe more people will think uh, really got to, you know, we talked about how bad the bottom is, maybe try to save some some salaries. So Looking at it, I have, I have no problem with Rom. I, I will pay 11-2 if I have to go uh, north of 10K here with him. And the COVID thing was just more of a freak occurrence. I don't really weigh it too heavily for this. I don't. I, I just worry about potentially the practice time, throwing him off a yeah. little bit. Maybe he's a bit devastated. Like, he was on pace at Memorial to have one of the most dominating wins of the past 10 years, basically, with how well he was playing. He was first off the tee, first in approach, and second in putting. You just don't see that happen very often only like michael kim at the john deere classic was ever really <laughs> able to pull that off i feel like when dj got to like minus 31 or wherever the hell that was last year he had one of those weeks as well but i think for me i i'm gonna find it really hard i think that dustin not that i want to fade dustin but if he continues to play well at palmetto like he will be the overwhelming chalk uh, and the most popular guy. And I don't see much differentiation between him and almost everyone else in this range. I mean, Spieth is sort of an outlier because he has a completely different game. But I'm good with fading Dustin. Do I want to fade Rom? No. But I think that Spieth might be the lower owned of all of these guys. And I don't really care about how long a course is with him. He just, he finds a way. Uh, and the driving has been better. The irons are the best of anyone up here in this range. And if it comes into a chipping and putting competition, I mean, we just saw Patrick Reed blast past all of the bombers at Torrey Pine South earlier this year. I don't see why Spieth couldn't do the same thing at a U.S. Open. No, I mean, Spieth is in, in the Reed bucket. He always is because it's just not going to look great on paper. There's a element of it feels fluky um but when it's consistent you kind of know what you're getting i do think it's going to put extreme pressure on his off the tee just to be at you know he's increased it where it's not horrendous he can't go back to that and expect to survive here i don't think you know tory south is the best course for him but again when you're if it's really difficult which it probably is going to be i mean there's almost no one i'd rather have uh you know around the green and putting even on poa so I don't mind it. DJ, yeah, if he, if he dominates at Palmetto, uh, which I have not been really paying attention too much, he's probably going to be the chalk. And then I, I don't, Brooks is around the cut line, I believe. I don't think that'll impact it a ton, but if he does miss the weekend, maybe that pushes ownership down a little bit. Yeah, it does not appear like Brooks Kepka is going to make the cut, which kind of puts me, I don't want to say all in on Brooks, but I mean, talk me out of Bryson Brooks lineups. Like, come on, let's, let's have it. So, I, I never play Brooks. I, I'm actually pretty interested in him as well. Pending ownership cooperates, you know, he seems healthier. Certainly we saw at the PGA, he's 
able to get it done. Um, so no problem there. I, Bryson's a tough one for me because I, I just never know what to do with him. I, I worry a little about the greens. Um, he's someone he's so technical and the POA is kind of a, a wild card surface. It, it can I be. He's got... I, I want to throw this out to you because I just sorted on Fantasy National by POA greens over the past 24 rounds. Your five best putters on POA in terms of strokes game putting. Your boy, Louie, Matt Kuchar, John Rahm, Bryson, and Patrick Rogers. Oh, Patrick Rogers. That's good. Great elite company uh, for Bryson. So may- maybe that won't affect him because that's the thing. And we talk about this pretty often. Of course, we know about Bryson's driving, but when he's at his best, it's it's his putting that really carries him as well. It's a, it's a driver putting combo. Uh, and that's, that's the element he's going to need to bring with him here if he's going to be effective. And I do think that if there be, if there does become a premium on hitting fairways, and it is prohibitive to be in the rough. And the big thing about winged foot was the fairways were so thin, no one was hitting them. Like it was like a 39% fairway rate. So like it was Zach Johnson hitting the fairway and that was about it. So when everyone was missing the fairways, the extra distance from Bryson you know, was just so advantageous because everyone else was going to be in the rough at the same time. If it does come down that the field is hitting 60% of fairways and John Rahm is putting it out there, you know, 320, but in the middle of the fairway, Bryson will scale back. Like, he's not stupid like that. And it really kind of astonished me. Like, you saw how he played, and he was, like, quote-unquote, trying to drive the green at API, another course that's long with thick rough, which he played really well at and won, obviously, but a lot of great putts that week as well from across the green. He was able to figure out those greens. But then we saw him the next week at the Players' Championship, and he did not have that same mentality at all. Like He made sure to keep it in the fairway, and he did, and he barely lost against probably what is the strongest field in golf. So I don't have issues with him at this point. Uh, if the, uh, At any course that's going to play incredibly difficult, and this for sure will play difficult, I think you just got to like Bryson and roll with it. I don't care how owned Brooks or Bryson are going to be. When you just go back and look at the winners at the U.S. Open, it's one of the top 10 guys. So you're going to need them regardless of what the ownership is. And Bryson and Brooks, I think, would be my two favorites. Yeah, I mean, I don't worry about – I'm sure he's going to garner some interest. I don't think he's going to be overwhelmingly popular per se. Uh, it's just – there's just something – I guess there's just an element with Bryson. He's so prone to – you know, you can make a an egregious – mistake and it kind of compounds itself with the way he plays but I, I will say when he is in tune to your point at api at the players at all all of these tournaments where he shows up he gains across the board it's a very balanced attack uh he gives himself good opportunities with the approach game and when he does that he does consolidate a lot of them with very good putting i want to see where the ownership comes in with speed that's going to be sort of the determining factor with me with him i would expect him to be the lowest of these five but yeah, once I think so once the public gets in on the millionaire maker though then speed's number is going to rise because everyone just loves to play speed and like bryson always gets sort of a discounted ownership regardless of what happens in these giant public contests because people don't like bryson uh, it's the patrick reed effect it's the ian poulter effect it's the sergio effect it's it's just what happens every single time you'll see bryson projected at 16 percent ownership in the millionaire maker and he'll be 11 percent because it didn't account for people just don't want to play him i don't know how that affects brooks at all Hopefully missing the cut will keep enough people on him that you get like 13, 14%. I just think that pairing up those two guys is a hilarious and be probably the best way that you want to go about this. Like Brooks is made for hard U S opens. Like that's what his game is constructed for. 
oh, there's, I mean, the evidence, even I have to admit that at this point, he just knows how to play to the middle, play to these, you know, the right slope and whatnot, hit the levels and grind it out. Uh, there's no one better at doing that. So I get it. Do you think that they'll pair them together? From all indications from people I've talked to who are pretty familiar with the USGA is that they're really strict on the last US Open winner, the last British Open winner, and the US Amateur winner all playing in the same group. But Shane Lowry already got to be in that group because there was no British Open last year. So I guess they could bend the rules and put them together. I think they'd be crazy not to put them together just for the ratings. Like you, if, if the USGA wants to work in conjunction and actually grow the game, and this is a perfect opportunity, I think, because streaming services are tough for your like day-to-day people. Like I'll have like, do you even have like the, the PGA live that you actually tune into? Like I have it and I watch it maybe <laughs> like during the majors. That's about it. Yeah, I have it, but I can't remember the last time I've honestly used that. Yeah. So I think that if you just put those guys on an early tea time together, and put it on Peacock because it's on NBC. Like, that's actually a way to drive people to your stupid streaming service. Like, that will... Because CBS All Access did this before they became the Paramount Network. And it was super savvy. And obviously, they've evolved through it right now. Is they went and bought these old IP properties. Like, they bought Star Trek. And Star Trek doesn't do great ratings anymore. But it has such a huge, safe fan base, especially of, like, high-tech people. I mean, if you're into Star Trek, you probably know how to use a computer and a streaming service, even if you are a little bit older, that just buying the IP to Star Trek, whether they owned it or not, I have no idea. I think it's a Paramount show. But only putting it exclusively on their streaming app actually got them a ton of signups because there was such a diehard base of people who wanted to go watch Star Trek. It was a great selling point for something behind a paywall. It was something that people were willing to go pay for. And I think that Brooks and Bryson together in a group where you, the only place that you can really watch it is on Peacock, I, you got to think NBC's in their ear to do it. Yeah, they should do it. There's no doubt. Uh, then they put Wilson Fur as the third guy in there and make a power group. Um, but we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how much that dynamic takes over if they are paired together. I wonder if that'll impact people saying, like, I, I don't want to choose both of them if they're paired together because, it, you know, uh, of the rivalry or whatever not that i think that would matter i would actually think it would help them i think that there's something so is to like the competition between both these guys and they are high level competitors especially when motivated uh, and i don't think that bryson is rattled by brooks at all no bryson just does what he does um you know and, and brooks honestly both of them kind of do so i don't think that impacts much ownership will tell the tale to an extent it's just uh, I, I always ask this and this week, do you have any interest in, I mean, you mentioned Bryson Brooks, or do you have any interest in doubling up with Rom as one of the North of 10 K? No, I don't. I think I would do Spieth. I think just, okay. I'm going to fade Rom. I'm going to fade DJ. I think they're going to be the two highest owned that terrifies me to do because obviously they can both win. Uh, but especially if DJ ends up coming like top five at Palmetto, then he's almost a write-off for me. Like, I just, I'll go a yeah. different direction. I don't think that there's enough separating. And I'll even throw Rory on that list, too. Like, Spieth, I think, is in a different bucket. Like, Morikawa, Thomas, 
Xander, Spieth, Hovland are all signed in the same bucket of type of player, where Rom, Bryson, Brooks, and Rory are all in the same bucket as the similar type of player. Hovland's probably closer to those guys in terms of their styles than the other guys, where, you know, just Justin Thomas isn't going to go and win a long drive competition. Uh, he needs to be okay off the tee and let the rest of his game do the talking. It's sort of like Morikawa. He's not going to be super long off the tee, but he's going to hit all the fairways compared to everyone who's up there. And then you have to hope that it's not one of the weeks where he loses 10 strokes on the greens. And then, you know, you're sitting pretty with him. So I think I would want to go with the bomber type of player uh, who still ha- does have an all-around game. And if it's the two cheaper guys, I think objectively I like Bryson and Brooks better than DJ and Rom. So that's where I would go. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we talked that through. And if Spieth comes in at like 9%, I'll probably mix in some Spieth with that. But I think I'd rather just drop into the nines. Obviously, the nines is littered with great players as well. But I kind of love Rory here. Your guy, Rory. The irons are back. What What is wrong with him off the tee, though? I don't That's, know. Who cares? Yeah, I, I the irons are definitely back. I just always get uh, a little worried when I see the strength, uh, especially when it's a lower variance thing like off the tee. This is the worst stretch of Rory driving the ball I've I can ever remember, and I, I just it's so weird because if he didn't win at Wells Fargo, uh, I wonder what the narrative would be. That obviously alleviated so much of of the chatter after missing the cut at the Masters, um, and and you know he gained seven strokes putting there. He was very very good tee to green. There's no doubt, but I just don't know where the game is at. I have no problem with him because he's sub 10k, and I I think still there's an element of interchangeable parts when you're talking about these t- elite players, but I'm stunned to see Rory's off the tee at, as low as it's been for the past month or two. It's funny that we, cause he had a real problem at the players, but that's not really a driver heavy course. He wasn't great off the tee at the masters, but his entire game seemed like it was in shambles at the masters. And you say that he's in this lull in terms of his off the tee. And he is for him. He's still gaining against the field off the tee. Like it's not, and it's such a oh, big part of sure. his game that he needs to gain three or four strokes off the tee to really try to contend and challenge for a win. Uh, maybe the move with Rory is just don't even play him. Bet against whatever three ball that he's in on day one, then play him in showdown the rest of the three days. Because he'll shoot like 76 in round one. Then he'll be like 67 somehow. And then like 70, 70 and come in eighth. Yeah, I mean, Rory hits it OB on his first hole in majors, I'd say like 35% of the time. So once you get that out of the way and then he starts to grind back and U.S. Open's like most guys because it's very difficult. He's had his string of trouble, troubles there. He's missed a string of missed cuts uh, at one point and then he's, you know, he's been all right. But I'm kind of indifferent to the play. I want to see where ownership comes. Uh, I just, again, I worry a little bit that the strength of his game, it's kind of like Spieth putting or Reed chipping and whatnot. It, if they don't do that, they're not, you know, Rory's not going to beat everybody. He's not going to win an iron competition uh, against Morikawa and JT and those guys too often. He's not, but he's averaging almost 4.8 strokes gained on approach over his last three events. Like even at Memorial, like he was bad around the greens, which is something that you don't see often from Rory. He's actually quite good from green side, but the putting has been around two of the past three weeks, like plus seven, plus three minus three uh and that's what you expect with someone like him that when he gains he gains a ton he's putted really well on poa throughout the course of his career 
I, I really don't think a lot of people are going to go to Rory. I think it's just so much easier to take Xander or Hovland or Morikawa or Thomas for a cheaper price. And listen, when you're at the very top of the board, it's going to sound like we like everyone. But like I said, I'm not playing Rom. I'm not playing DJ. I got to cross those guys out because I can't play everyone. I'm not playing 150 lineups. I'll probably play 20 lineups. And I think looking at it right now, it's really hard to get away from Xander at $9,300, especially at his home course. But, like, that just reeks – him and Hovland reek of 30% ownership. Like, you can see a world where you have one of the 10K guys, and those guys are almost certainly the second guys in, or you'll just see lineups that start with those two. Oh, there's definitely going to be appeal of the balance build this week for a lot of, a lot of reasons. I guess for me, I'm just weighing where does JT fall in the ownership bucket because – you could argue that his stretch of golf is even worse than Rory's in a lot of elements. Now, a lot of it's been with the putter, but his game is all over the map as well. I'm not super interested in Justin Thomas. I mean, Ooh, those, okay. th- those are famous last words when it comes down to it. But I, I just I kind of look at his U.S. Open appearances. He's been good, but not great. And the years that he was really good, like even last year at the U.S. Open, like he did it all with chipping and putting. Like he was horrible off the tee. He was OK on approaches, but it was all chipping and putting. And even the years that he you know, came eighth, missed the cut, 25th. Ninth, that was at Aaron Hills. 32nd, missed the cut. I just don't know if his game is U.S. Open game. And that's not to say that he can't win, because obviously when his approaches are on, he and Morikawa, like you mentioned, are the two best iron players in the world. And his around the green game, no joke. And if it's a hot putting week, he can get by with it. But he's not good enough off the tee on a consistent basis. And he puts so poorly on a consistent basis that it's just really tough to see him overcoming the deficit of being so much shorter off the tee than the really big hitters. Butter's definitely an issue. There's no doubt about that. I just JT's off the tee game confuses me at times because there are, when he's going and he's in form, I guess you could say his off the tee game to me is very strong. Uh, I know it's not to the level of what we're talking about with, you know, typical Rory Bryce and those guys, but he sets himself up and his ability, you know, when I think of guys that need to get up and down from inside a hundred, uh, He's at the top of my list. So I like a lot of that, but he's going to have to convert like most guys, you know, these five to 10 footers here. And maybe the POA, maybe the change of surface does help because a memorial once again, I mean, just, I don't know what is going on. You can't be losing eight strokes putting and hope to compete. No, and there's super wide fairways at Mirfield Village as well. And when you go and look through like the spots where he has gained a bunch of strokes off the tee, like he's 26 in the field uh, off the tee over the past 24 rounds. Like that's great. But the difference between 26 and like fifth when it comes down to it is so big off the tee. And that's such a repeatable skill. But you see, he gained a bunch at the Players' Championship. He gained a bunch at Valspar off the tee. He gained a bunch at Memorial, Charles Schwab. The the one long course on there has super wide fairways and the other three courses are really short courses. You get him at the PGA. He's in the minus uh, you get him at uh, what was the WGC, the concession. That's a longer course. He's in the minus uh, you get him at Genesis. He's in the minus you get him at TOC at Kapalua. That's a long course. He's in the minus. So I just worry that once it get, once you get to 7,600, 7,700 yards where the bombers truly have an advantage, it feels like he presses a bit too much. And if he's going to miss the fairway, he's going to get no roll and he doesn't hit it quite as far in the air as some of these other guys that I can see it being a real problem. I don't think it's a Justin Thomas comes in 90th place problem. I think it's a Justin Thomas comes in 14th place problem, which is a fine finish, but not what you're paying for up here. 
Yeah, of course, there's an opportunity cost. And that is, I mean, even Aaron Hills, like that was very, very generous. Uh, so there, that is a very, very valid point. Um, so you got him, you've got Rory. Uh, this is where, I mean, you mentioned the chalk. And then there's Morikawa, which I'm not going to pretend to have a feel on. I mean, he does it when you talk about just setting yourself up time and time again. He is the guy off the tee who does that. But do you think that maybe this type of conditions puts too much strain uh, if he's that far back? I don't know. He's been bad from outside of 200 yards, which is new for him. And that's in the short term. Now, he did make up for it a little bit, but he is the best player tee to green. And it's certainly not around the greens. I'll tell you that much. It's driving and he's the best iron player in the field over the past 24 rounds, over the past 50 rounds, over the past 100 rounds. He is the best player on approach in the world. And that goes a really long way. And the biggest difference between him and JT, JT hits it farther than Morikawa, but you kind of hit on it. He hits fairways. He's the only one of these guys that's inside the top 10 in terms of driving accuracy in this field. And that will go a long way. Like it feels he's not. And, but like JT, he can put himself out of a tournament. So the way that I can kind of see it is that he could have sort of like a, a mini, I mean, Jim Furyk has won a U.S. Open. He competed at Olympic club as well at super tight fairways. If he can keep up his accuracy, I see no reason why he can't win this week. And I think that I would take him over Xander over Cantlay and over Hovland solely based on the fact that I think that he has a better chance of winning than those guys. Those guys might be a better top 10 bet than Morikawa because Morikawa's path to implosion is like his variance is just so much higher because he's such a bad putter and those other guys aren't. Well, I mean, you could say that with Vic, but his ball striking is so good. But I think if you're just looking for how you win at a U.S. Open, even on a longer course, the path for Morikawa fairways, the best irons, make some putts like that's there for him to take there's definitely a path but yeah i mean I'm, I'm completely in line with what you just said he is even more than jt even with those struggles there is a chance uh in 36 holes that morikawa makes nothing and he just misses the cut because when you putt that bad sometimes there's just nothing you can do so that's an element that you're just going to have to deal with. Certainly, I think Xander is much, much safer. Hovland, all those guys, because uh, their games are more balanced. Morikawa is the best in the world at something, and then one of the worst in the world, certainly the worst amongst these elite players at another skill set. So uh, just a different type of build with him. And then you've got, this is where we enter the chalk, as you mentioned, Xander, Hovland, Cantley, and then Reed is the last guy in the range. I think Reed will go underwhelmed. I could see people Good. starting their teams, Xander, Hovland, Cantley, those three guys, that gives you $7,500 left for your next three guys. I would imagine there's a lot of teams that are going to start that way this week. None of mine, but yeah, uh, I have no problem with those guys. I just don't love that three, you know, the three man combo right there. And they're all, listen, there's what's there to say. Cantley just one Hovland's Hovland, uh, it, Xander. It, Xander has never finished what worse than sixth at a U.S. open. Yeah. I mean, he just, even at Aaron Hills, him and Trey Mullinax season. Um, and Xander's found it a little bit. You know, he had a lull there, uh, rebounded nicely at Memorial. He's struggled at times, uh, but it just shows that, like anything, you know, you don't, your course history means nothing until you figure it out. Like Xander, you know, all those missed cuts, and then he was runner up at Farmers this year. It's not like that's a bad course for him. He's going to be just fine at Tory for a long, long time. Patrick Reed is the one that interests me the most, obviously, of these guys, because if we're talking about someone who can go out and win, I mean, he's the reason that you won 
six figures at the Masters when he won. You know he can win. He's already won at this course. It's just his path is so much harder. And unlike Spieth, the big difference between them at the moment, it's funny because Spieth is now better than Patrick Reed again after three years of Patrick Reed being better than Jordan Spieth. It's, it's kind of strange. Is that Spieth's irons are just so good every single week now. And you just don't know what Patrick Reed is going to show up. But if it's a week where he does decide to show up, he's going to be in the top five. I mean, you just, and the thing, yeah, I mean, his game is ridiculous. Every time he misses a cut, uh, you know, he missed the cut, then he won at Farmers. He missed the cut at Valspar sixth at Wells Fargo. He missed the cut at Charles Schwab fifth at Memorial. He bounces back so quickly and the game week to week, it, it's hard to know what you're going to get. Obviously the around the green game travels, but yeah, the irons are the wild card. He's just built for this though. Uh, it's just read. That's what he does. He grinds. He's able to post uh, reasonable scores. I no surprisingly like Patrick Reed once again. I wish he didn't win Farmers. That's the one negative just because people are going to draw too much into that. And I honestly think it's kind of irrelevant. If you want to take discount Patrick Reed at a cheaper price and probably one third the ownership, can I interest you in Webb Simpson at $8,700 who has not finished outside the top 20 in a U.S. Open in the past three years and, you know, has won a U.S. Open? I... I mean, the problem with Webb, I, I worry a little. He teeters on his off the tee has got to be at least averagely bad, kind of like Spieth to me. Uh, I worry a little that he could get gobbled up, but if he survives, sure. I mean, Webb is certainly the interest has waned. I don't think it's the best course, of course, but if it was, he'd be a lot more popular. It's it's a weird range as we look here. Uh, Finau stands out, but I think he's probably going to stand out for most of the field. Oh, for sure. So let's just circle back to the 9Ks for a second. I just want to throw in the web thing because I do like web a lot this week at 8,700 uh-huh. bucks. I, like I said, he's a discount read, I think, in terms of everything across the board, except he's a superior iron player and he's a better. Patrick Reed is a great putter. Webb Simpson is a more consistent putter week to week, which is always nice to see. And for whatever reason, there are certain guys that have kind of solved the USGA layout. Like for whatever reason, Zach Johnson makes the cut every single year at the U.S. Open. I don't know how he does it. And he finishes pretty well every single year. There's something to how the rough is or just how his style of game plays or how they shave the greens that he's just good around the greens. He's good on the greens and hits all the fairways. And sometimes that's just good enough to get you inside the top 20. Webb seems to be that way, but we know we haven't seen it in a while. Although the results have kind of been there. He has like top 20s in two of his past three. He's not missing cuts or anything like that, but he's hitting a lot of fairways recently. And if he can continue to do that, I trust his long irons and short game enough that I think that he can get it going just a little bit. And when we talk about guys inside 100 yards, he's one of the best from inside of that range. That's sort of like the Cantley Reed thing, though, is that they're really good at scrambling like legitimate scrambling. I'm not talking about scrambling like, oh, he missed the green by a foot. You need to scramble. I'm talking about you hit it into the woods. You need to chip it out back onto the fairway and get it up and down from 97 yards. Cantley and Reed are like the best at that. And that's huge. That to me is like, it's hard to quantify that. But for US Opens, those where you're where you're hitting for birdie from like, yeah, 90 yards away, uh, getting up and down, Reed has the ability to, first of all, a make par a lot and B he never, I shouldn't say never, but rarely does he make double Uh, you know, he hits it. He has a chance at par and then he taps in for bogey if need be. And that's a huge, huge skill set at a place like this. So in the nines, Rory Morikawa, Hovlander Reed for me, I think, but Rory and Morikawa for sure. And maybe fade everyone else and just live with the results, live or die by the nine K's. 
I'm kind of with you. I, I, I like JT more than you for sure. Um, I'm going to go to him. Going to go to Xander and probably Reed. Uh, indifferent on Rory. If the ownership, if I can get over, great. If not, uh, maybe I come in slightly under. Uh, looking at the very early ownership projections and five days out, it's not going to be super accurate, but Thomas is the lowest projected owned in this area right now. I doubt that's going to end up sticking. Yeah, I would say doubtful as well, but maybe people are sick and tired of rostering him and just watching him implode on the greens week after week. Do you have a feel for Cantlay at all? And not in terms of how he's going to play, but in terms of how people perceive him. I know he's coming off the win, but it feels like a disingenuous. It felt like he did everything to lose that event, and he still won. Yeah, I mean, it was that was just stupid. Um, now I'll take the win. Know. I'll take the money I got from the win, but you know, <laughs> no, I didn't get any money. I needed Rom more than them, but uh, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, he was so bad for that stretch, and then he found form, and he's been absolutely killing it tee to green in the last two the pga and the memorial so i think people will look to him but it's also a product of i mean there's going to be ownership to go around but sh- sh- uh, xander's going to be popular hovland is going to be popular finau is going to be like there's not that much room uh, i think cantley will be owned but i can't see him massing like crazy chalk to be honest I could see myself getting to Cantlay then. Like we've seen him play well at Genesis. Obviously yeah. he's, he's familiar with the area. He's, he's not necessarily local, but he's a Southern California guy. There's more Kikuya grass this time of year than there is in late December, late January um, on Torrey Pines. Yeah, he played really well at Pebble this year, generally plays well at Riviera. Doesn't normally play the farmers, but he does seem like he has the style of game to do well here. Yeah. And again, the farmers results to me are not overly important. He, he can handle... Con- you know, courses that are very difficult. I think long-term he hasn't had any success really in the U S open just yet, but I don't see anything in his game that would, would hinder him. He's really well-rounded certainly can make his fair share. Uh, a pots doesn't mind difficult conditions. You know, the Poe was a wild card, but as you mentioned, he's got a lot of California ties, so it's not like he doesn't have experience on it. If he ends up be, I'm going to throw him back on my short list right now. Man, crossing off Xander and crossing off Holland and Thomas does not feel good. Maybe I'll get talked back into it during the course of the week. I don't know. But for the moment, I think if Cantlay is the one that is down there that is going to go overlooked because the other ones are just such good value that I might end up getting on to him. Per the modeling and the stats, he's number one out of all players in this field over the past 24 rounds. Yeah, it's... I just... I really have a tough time with him. I don't know if it's because, like... He's one of these players that he's he's just really good at everything, but he's not like, you know, Morikawa is the best at something and Rory to me is the best or Bryson's the best at, at something. Cantley's just solid. Um, and sometimes that confuses me a little, kind of like Xander in some regard. And some of those guys, they, they, they certainly feel safer, quote unquote, but really in something like this, I don't know if safety really exists. Well, Hovland and Cantley have very, they don't necessarily have similar style games, but I feel like their approach is quite similar. And it feels like it should really work at a U.S. Open is it feels like they have 30 feet for birdie on every hole. And if you just two putt those for par at a U.S. Open, you're going to be in it. Yeah, I mean, Brooks, that's how Brooks wins every time. Um, He just makes a couple of those and then he doesn't do anything stupid. And then he's just there. I Hovland, uh, you know, and he's improved a little bit, but. I just worry if, if greens uh, are at a premium, if Hovland's scrambling, 
uh, lets him down because that can be problematic at times. It can be. And he's not, and Cantley's the same way for whatever reason, although that's sort of their safety in their game. Not afraid of a big number just randomly out of nowhere. Yeah, that'll get you. Um, that's, you know, that's a problem, especially up here where it's tough to make it up. You know, when we get to the lower ranges, you can live with that, especially if it's on the weekend because it's, you know, the punishment's not there and placement points are irrelevant. But for these guys, you know, you're going to need to play well if you're paying north of nine. Yeah, I think that if you're anything above $8,500, if you can't talk yourself into that guy winning the U.S. Open, just don't take him. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fair role. You're, you're going to need some. And, and this is an event you'll see when we get. I don't think there's that many guys that can win uh, this event. It, it, it drops off quicker than normal. It was a match made in heaven. I'd been trying to cut down on carbs, sugar, and unhealthy food in general, and I realized that I couldn't eat anything. Then all of a sudden, Magic Spoon tells me they want to advertise on the Pat Mayo experience. They send me some cereal, and I keep buying some more. They sucked me in because it's so damn good. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free, and you can build your own box. So, available flavors to build your own very custom box are coca, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. Once again, I will tell everyone that fruity is the way that you want to go. It's the only thing that I get anymore. But hey, might as well try them all out and find out which one is your favorite. So, Go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code mayo at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash mayo and use the code mayo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Let's be honest, you're not getting as good of a sleep as you need to be. Whether your problem is falling asleep, staying asleep, or just not feeling rested once you wake up, you're not alone. That last one is the Pat Mayo category, by the way. Not feeling rested once you wake up. More than half of Americans report having trouble with getting enough sleep. At Brickhouse Nutrition, our team of on-staff physicians is on a mission to get heads on pillows and would like to introduce Dreams Sleep Aid by taking science-backed ingredients like melatonin and combining them with natural ingredients from the earth like valerian root and jujube fruit. Dreams is a perfect blend for the perfect sleep. Go to BrickHouseSleep.com and get 15% off your first order at checkout with promo code MAYO. It's time to sleep like a brick. BrickHouseSleep.com, promo code MAYO. 8K range. I already mentioned Webb Simpson. I'm in on Webb Simpson. I'm going to be in on your boy Louie, too. I'm just, I'm in. I'm, I'm going down with the ship this week. He'll withdraw after like two seconds. But here we are with Louie. The other guys, Finau at 89, bound to be popular. Hideki at 88, probably not bound to be popular. Webb, Zalator, Scheffler, Berger, Hatton, Connors, Louie, Rose, Cam Smith. I think on paper, this sets up really well for Cam Smith. My guy, Cam Smith, he cost me so much money at Memorial. It is ridiculous by missing the cut on the number. But I think that U.S. Opens are kind of a style of game where I would like to see him play out of. Uh, obviously, Kakuya, he should be somewhat familiar with how this plays. He's played well at the Genesis over the years. But it's just Louie. 
Simpson, and then... I mean, I want to play Scheffler, but I think that Scheffler's going to be very popular. Zalatoris would be the third one, I think, for me of that mix. Yeah, I mean, his abilities from north of 200 are, are very, very impressive. Uh, you're kind of talking me into Webb. Uh, I'm going to put him on the card. I, I'll probably buy into some Finau chalk. I think he sets up very, very well. Louis, of course, for me. Cam Smith, certainly not for me. Uh, Hatton, question mark? He's the, he's the one that stuck out to me in terms of possibly a swing guy. Uh, I never know exactly what, but he's starting to show that, you know, maybe maybe he's handling majors a little better. And U.S. Open conditions, I think he's actually more built for that kind of style than you would think. Yeah, I think his only top 10 at a major is at the U.S. Now, he has, he has a few. Uh, the Open Championship in 2019, he was sixth. The U.S. Open in 2018, he was sixth. Uh, and fifth in 2016 at the Open Championship. So I don't think these conditions are like, he was just bad last year at the U.S. Open. Before that, you know, 21st, sixth, miscut. So of his four appearances, he has two really good finishes and two really bad finishes. He had taken time off after the PGA Championship, but he's acquitting himself pretty well uh, at Palmetto. Uh, he had a rougher round one, a better round two. The ball striking has been on point for him. It's It's weirdly been the putting. That has been the issue. And that's not something that you normally put on Tyrrell Hatton. You just always assume he's going to play well. I think my biggest issue with him at, at U.S. Opens is sort of like the ROM thing. Is like they get so upset during yeah. the rounds that it might cost him a stroke or two. And that's that's enough at this sort of event to help you miss the cut or something. Yeah, no, that's the, again, I'm going to keep referencing Brooks because he understands this. Where your expectations, I feel like the problem with someone like Ty Hatton or even ROM to extend is they evaluate their success on the course, like in lieu of how they normally play. And it's just, it doesn't work like that here. Like if you post 72, if everyone else shoots 75, that's, that's a big win, of course, but they're, they're just like so frustrated that they're quote unquote, not playing well, but you're playing against everybody else. So if he can keep it in check, I do think his game is pretty suited though. And I don't expect him, you know, barring something miraculous at the Palmetto uh, to be, you know, popular or, or a trendy pick. Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a win at Palmetto as someone who has money on him this week. Uh, the driving uh, the driving was bad at the PGA Championship. But that was just a weird course. I mean, Phil led in driving. He's not a great driver of the ball by and large. Uh, so it can flip sometimes week to week. But the irons have been really good. They continue to be really good. The around the green game is back after massive struggles to begin the year. Maybe you're onto something with Hatton. Webb and Hatton and Louie. There we go. That is a lineup, uh, not the play, the good plays lineup, but a lineup nonetheless. Um, yeah, Hatton and maybe, well, I, I'm on him on Palmetto, so I, I shouldn't hate that. That's about the only good thing. I'm not going to go into my Palmetto. There were issues this week, let me tell you. Uh, I, I, Rafa Cabrera Bayo really ended my I, chances at I bet him money. to win. That just sums so did, it so up of where, okay, well, that's. Great minds, Ben. <laughs> really bad, man. I really liked RCB too. I, I thought he was primed. He was not primed. Uh, and then there's Rose only shows up in majors. So there's that. I, I would almost say Hideki at the same time too. Like Decky lost 10 strokes putting at Memorial. Yeah, that's something. Um, Decky's a, a really good around the green player. Good long iron player. Of course, playing yeah, I mean, the form outside of the, the mega win hasn't been great, but I don't mind Hideki. I just think that I could, I'm going to need to take savings at some point. And to me, like $700 to Louie, $500 to Hatton, uh, 
we haven't got to him, but $900 to Casey, I, I would rather do that if, if I have to. I think I'm with you, but I think that's how a lot of this is going to go because where I mentioned that chalk, I'm going to throw Finau into that at the same time. If I play mm-hmm. Finau in that lineup that I was constructing, it leaves me 6,800. If we can find two guys, Xander, Hovland, Cantlay, and Finau together. I just feel like those four guys, maybe not Cantlay, he'll be at the lower end of that in terms of ownership, but Xander, Hovland, and Finau are going to suck up so much ownership at their prices that it's going to be hard for me to see someone else in the eights besides Finau really getting up there. And if I had to guess, it would be Scheffler coming off the great week of Memorial, coming off a good PGA championship. When you just think about his game, it feels like it should suit the U.S. Open really well. That's why I'm going to fade him. because you know, He's too good. So I, I, he can't be in my lineups. I need to lose money this week. That's why I'll take Hatton and Berger. Like, why not? Like, why, we have, just everyone is out on Berger all of a sudden. Uh, I, it's funny. I, I have him. I clicked into him just as you were saying that. And uh, I don't know. The thing about Berger one is I, I tend to think of him at like where he does well, um, which is not exactly farmers esque. I worry about him a little off the tee, but he, he's someone he does gain off the tee. He's just not going to do it with extreme distance. His he's just kind of blah across the board. Um, I think you could do worse than Berger. I'll be honest, but probably going to get squeezed and I'll just go to Hatton more often. Since people miss so many putts at the U.S. Open anyway, does that help or hurt Corey Connors? Well, it, it helps him in the sense that he gets hole in one so frequently that he won't have to putt. <laughs> uh, but I know what you're saying. I just, he, his around the green game, I, I give Hovland credit and Connors is sort of improving, but I think it, it just comes at a major detriment that, Unless he's so precise, he's just going to get gobbled up. He might, but he is so precise. That's the thing. Fairways, irons. He's great. It's so much pressure. I mean, this is where I get in trouble with Corey Connors because I, I just say, oh, it's too much pressure on one part of your game. And he's a clinic. I mean, you throw out Memorial, the guy is automatic tee to green. I mean, he was the first round leader at the PGA Championship. And then I don't think he got another shot on camera for the rest of the week somehow. I still think he came like eighth or something. You would never know watching the broadcast, but he was fine after that. Yeah. I mean, again, it just comes down to, can you survive if, if you're not mega precise with your, you know, can he hold it together um, around some of these lies? I, I don't hate it. I just, this is not Corey Connors, 6,800 uh, last man in style. No, but he's surrounded by enough star power that I think it's going to be very jarring for people to see him at this price point amongst, I mean, Hatton's the number 11th ranked player in the world. Yeah. Where's Connors now? Was he like fourth? He's just like, I I, I still picture him. Where is he? He's number one in the world, actually. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. Like it's ridiculous. He's a very, very good player. So he, he looks out of place, but to me, Will Z almost feels that in a totally different way. But like, you know, and he's, done it of course against the best of the best already where i still kind of picture him out of place but i quickly realized that he can hold his own and, and he does belong in this middle 8k range i, I think i'll play Zalatoris at 6800 especially if no I, one wants to like he even started making a run at the pga championship it was insane like you, last year at the u.s open the first time i mean skyler was all over him coming off the corn ferry tour top 10s there comes what third or second at the masters and has another top 20 at the pga championship it just seems like long hard courses are his jam i mean what's there to say yeah long ridiculous irons 
clearly built, ready to play. So I would rather go to him than Connors. I'd rather go to Finau, Webb, and Hatton, and Louie over all of them, though. Okay, I'll see what happens with Hideki's ownership. If he ends up becoming like the 4% guy, I'm going to play him. He's going to shoot plus 10 on the opening day. I know how this goes, but I'll just be too enticed by what happens. Like, Yeah, uh, I'd love that. It just... It, there's a reason no one would want to play him because it's going to turn out that he sucks. Uh, looking at it now in the sevens, you mentioned Casey right off the hop. I, I think that's the first place that people are going to gravitate towards. But other than that, I mean, I love Shane Lowry and Jason Kokrak, both at 7,600. Kokrak, I, I say the same thing. I'm a broken record. Uh, Got to survive around the green. Um, everything else has been fantastic. The putter has been fantastic. Don't mind it, just has to survive off the tee. Or not off the tee, around the green. What about Fitzy? I don't know, man. I think I would Come just rather... I just rather The way that Lowry is spiking right now, like he led the PGA, or he was top five at the PGA Championship off the tee. The irons are really good. The touch looks like it's back. I've seen him win a major. I've seen him win at hard courses. I just like where he's at. I bet him at 80 to one. And he's already down to 60, but you can still find that number out there. I don't, I, I have nothing, you know, you, when we talked, I think from Memorial whatnot, you got me on Shane, Shane Lowry has been fantastic. Uh, I have no problem with that. I do kind of like Fitzy though, with what it requires off the tee. He's someone that Molinari-esque, but he's added some distance. He needs to just shore up the irons. Uh, everything else looks good. I, I feel pretty good about that. I just worry a little that his approach numbers are not what I'm, you know, not good enough in this situation. If you want me to interest you in someone who is very Molinari-esque, do you know who that name is? Is he is he in this range? No. Uh, Wilson Fur. His name is Molinari, comma, Eduardo. I saw Eduardo is, uh, maybe Francesco's going to caddy for him. That would be nice. Is, is, um, Francesco's in this field, isn't he? Oh. He won the know. British Open like two years ago. He has to be in this field. I don't know what goes. I don't look at the players that are irrelevant. Um, but, but I've been betting Eddie Molinari on the European tour. He's been really good tee to green. Shockingly enough, can't make a four foot putt. Runs in the family, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there are some, there is a formula there. And then I don't, again, another guy, I don't know what he's doing at Palmetto because I haven't paying attention this morning. What about old Tommy Fleetwood? 7,800. The irons and driving were pretty good for him round one at Palmetto, but it seems like he can string together one of those rounds every week. And then the next round, it's not good news. It always felt like U.S. Opens were set up perfectly for him, but it just seems... He was another it just, yeah, Shinnecock, right? It, it seems too expensive for how he's been playing, honestly. He should be like 72. Compared to these names next to him, I know Sam Burns feels out of place. I actually think that Sam Burns might be a really good play this week. So this is where you're talking about, you know, I think tournament selection comes into play. Uh, I, I like Fleetwood and Burns to an extent if you're trying to win a million dollars on not a lot of money because their miscut equity is really high. I think it's probably too high for the range, but the upside, the spike for both of them, if Burns avoids never having to scramble, he'll be just fine. And Fleetwood, Fleetwood's the type of guy, showdown style, it feels like at least once a week, he's really helping you. And then he's just non-competitive in another round. So uh, I have some interest in these guys, even if I think Fitzy and Casey are by far the safer plays. I think Lowry is the safe play along with Casey. If that's what you're looking for in terms of safety and a three max and a single entry in the millionaire maker with Burns, like he's lost on approach once 
this year. Sorry, twice. And once was actually at Farmers. But he that all happened in the final round when he went from first to 18th. Like, he's good at this course, as we've seen. When you get him on POA, like, he had a nice finish at Pebble. He had a top three at the Genesis where he, again, melted down. But he got that win now. And I don't know if the monkey is off of his back because, uh, you know, major championships are a completely different story. But at the same time, he he's proven himself to be a guy who plays deep into the weekends. And, like, even following up Valspar, he withdrew from the PGA Championship with an injury. Then he was fine. Second at the Byron Nelson. No, no, it was, that was the other way around. He withdrew from the PGA. Then he came back at Memorial. Uh, he lost a bunch of strokes off the tee, a bunch of strokes around the green. But the putting and irons were fine. I don't know if I'm going to get to him, but I think he's super interesting, and he seems so out of place that I, I can't imagine a ton of people going to him. But Kokrak and Lowry are just the two I'm locking in. Like, those two guys have been playing so well that I'm in. What about, as you call him, the the Mexican Allen Iverson, who's done nothing wrong? Talk, he's just automatic. Uh, I think Cash Viable, he's sandwiched in there as well with answer. I don't know what to do with answer to tell you the truth. He's, he feels like Connors to me, except he can putt sometimes. He's just, I mean, that guy is, he's like an actually good Vince Whaley who just comes in the top 20 every tournament of seems. So you could see, I wouldn't be surprised to see people go that route as well. You mentioned the like Xander Hovland can't lay combos. I could see people going, like Casey answer Fitzy combos as well uh, in this low, high sevens. I think you're really overrating how many people want to play Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's probably a fair comment. Maybe it's just me. What's wrong with Fitzy? Maybe there, he's there, just there's not nothing good. wrong with Fitzy, but why would you play Fitzy if Casey is right there? Well, I would rather play Casey. I just think that pairing these guys up, they're cut makers. I feel like when people get into situations like this, man, Fitzy has been worse than I thought to be honest, but uh, they look for floor more than ceiling because it's like, oh my God, six, six is going to be so low. Let me take the, the quote unquote safer plays. Uh, and you know, there's a sticker shock when you're in the eights or in the sevens. I think people tend to gravitate towards the upper sevens rather than the lower eights, just on a macro level. Sergio, you get, you doing it. Mm, I want to, I'll be honest, even though the problem with him is he's not good. <laughs> Off the tee, I mean, what more could you ask for? Nothing, but what about everything else? That could be a problem, but at least you get that first first shot out of the way. Um, I, I don't I mean, Sergio is just one of these guys. If he's very low owned, I will take some very aggressive off the tee game stacks, and maybe I'll throw in like Neiman with him, but uh probably not the smartest move i'd certainly rather get to coke rack and lowry and join you woodland is there at seventy five hundred dollars his game is turning itself around obviously he's a u.s open champion uh he won it on the west coast that's always nice to have i think neiman's just too shitty around the greens and especially yeah i mean he's that is his problem and it's consistently bad uh certainly more apt to play him at a birdie fest which this of course won't be Sanjay's also there, and I, I don't know what is wrong with him. I can't imagine anyone's going to go there, but I think that's probably warranted. Well, what about Phil at 7700 bucks? No joke. That's the problem. Now, no matter what I do, like with Sergio, my first thought is, well, if Phil can win, anything can happen. Uh, and now I just play even dumber plays than I normally do. If Phil plays good here, I think I truly have to hang up the spikes because that that's just... 
there's even less of a reason why he would play good here than at Kiwa Island. I'm just looking at the low part of this range. There's not a ton I'm in love with. Uh, spoiler alert on who is Anderkirst. Stuart Sink is Anderkirst, by the way. Well, that's good. I wasn't going to play him, so get him out. And who was, uh, I, who was I, I told cannot win this week? Just let, let me check on this. Uh, Xander was one of the guys who has no chance okay. of winning, according to Tim. So good news for Xander, but he tends to say that about Xander every time. Something he's actually right about. And who is the I other mean, one? I want to say Xander's it's Rory. Dead. Ooh. Yeah, Rory has no that. shot, apparently, according to Tim. Well, hopefully he doesn't like Sergio either. Um, but I don't know if he can overpower those forces. What about Homa? I, I already have the star next to him. I, I like okay. Homa a lot here. Yeah. Quail Hall, like can handle this type of conditions. California guy, reasonable tag, not gonna be, you know, a name that people gravitate towards the the miscuts are bad but when he when he makes a cut placement points viable um I, I think it's a pretty solid play for that price tag ryan palmer's been bad but i'm gonna play him anyway i have a bet on him to win it 250 to 1 that i made in december so he might actually be going back down to that point but just a spot where he plays well he's missed one cut all year like that's it's pretty good yeah he's been he's been good uh and that miscut was, you know, it was in a major, but I can live with that. It, the game is just solid. I don't love that he's going to be dealing with certainly very difficult conditions in POA, but again, we're starting to get to what can you give me? You just need to make it to an extent. Is Wolf in the field? I was going to ask you the same thing. I do not believe he is in the field. I believe that he is going to withdraw. Okay. But you have Higo's down here. Higo's actually good, by the way. He, I went on, I said a lot of dumb things about Higo at the Palmetto. Uh, Oh, really? I I played a lot of Higo at Palmetto. No, no, you don't understand. My lineups, like, (laughs) Seamus was like my third best player in most lineups. It was really bad. Uh, Didn't didn't play him, didn't play Valko, Niemeyer, whoever that guy was, 400-yard drive guy. Um yeah, the South Africans, you got three of them in a row. You got Bez, Grace, and Higo. I, I, I think I like Higo. I mean, I know he's fantastic. I'm talking about Bez now. He can't survive off the tee here, right? There's no way. He's one of the like the, the shortest hitters in the field. Although, like, you know, the Todd father can kind of do it from time to time. <laughs> he's essentially just Brendan Todd. Like, why not? I just he's so this is. I and he defies it. I mean, he he's been very impressive at courses. I didn't love his short game is unbelievable. I just can't get over how bad the off the tee game is. Certainly, Grace historically with U.S. Opens uh, fits the mold a little bit. So I think you're getting into a range where you, there are some flyers here. Can you go to Chuck Hoffman? Is he just this? Isn't his type of event? No, I yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I, I picture him more, you know, trying to hit the, the sixth birdie streak of the week to get to minus 30 to force a playoff. Um, now, he hasn't played in the U.S. Open since 2018, yeah. but his past results, 20th, 8th, 37th, his past three U.S. Open starts. Am I missing? Like, I think of Hoffman as just a guy who's just like all systems go at like John Deere. Maybe that's off base. Maybe, maybe his game just gets tailored to it he's playing so well like in by the numbers and obviously it's not there's no context to the strength of fields that these guys are playing in but in terms of the power rankings by the numbers he's number eight of all players 
he's just someone though. I, I, he, he seems to excel more on like, you know, a, a technical coastal, you know, the Valspars, the heritage style. I don't know if he's built for this and his around the green game. Once again, is, uh, is absolutely horrendous. Yeah. It's not great. But again, you're not going to find great players like that down in this range. They're going to be bad Very at something, true. but Hoffman's a great ball striker. He really is. He, he, I mean, this is where, again, I, I always say this, I think theme comes in, like you've got Brian Harmon down here. You've yeah. got different types. Uh, yeah, exactly. You have different types of builds that you can go to, whether you lean off the tee, whether you lean short game, like Streelman is here. Logically, I think it, this would be terrible for him, but he shows up randomly uh, and he gains off the tee automatically. It's just not in the, the most ideal way. Is Carlos Ortiz going to be super popular? Because I really want to play Carlos Ortiz. Uh, Carlos Ortiz. Super popular? I mean, I would say no, even though he's playing pretty well. And his irons, I mean. They're they're great. They're the best or the worst? He's, he's dangerously insane. He's, coming yeah, like, or, he's becoming like Siwoo, who I can see myself playing as well. Because, you know, it's me. Is Russell Henley in that bucket? Because he's another crazy pop iron player. No, he's not for me. I'd have more interest in someone like, nah, not even not to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, I, I almost talked myself into it. I couldn't get there with him. I do like Kevin. No, nah, just playing with the Masters or something. Like Harris English, Billy Horschel, Mark Leishman. I don't have a ton of interest in that mid part. I do like Siwoo's upside, but you know, it's me. Homa, Wallace, Ortiz, and kind of Palmer because I was already kind of in on him. But those three that I just you know listed off, I really do like. Homa for me, maybe some Grace Wallace. Uh, I'm with you. I got to look more into Ortiz. I don't like anyone at flat set. Champ is a no. Matt Jones is probably a no. Kevin Na's a no. Bobby Mack is a no. Uh, Schwartzel's here, but your boy Schwartzel. Maybe I'll play Higo. Maybe it just I'll continue to buy into it that he's actually good i mean there's a chance with guys like that there's a chance that he goes the most you know inefficient price in the field like he might be not u.s open viable or he could be like Corey connor's good and he's in the mid eights next year and that's how i feel about wallace i feel like wallace is severely underpriced for that guy's a random yeah, yeah but he does three out of four things really well every single week you just have to hope the one thing he's not clicking with that week isn't so bad that he misses the cut. I like, well, I mean, there wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that like Wallace and Hatton were kind of like all those guys were interchangeable at one point And now it, it's separated again. And it's, it's justified when you bear out the stats, but 71, uh, I feel more comfortable with him than most in this range. If dreams of vacations and enjoying the fun of life are turning back into a reality for you, don't let concerns over financial setbacks keep you from saying yes. Credit Karma helps you keep your financial goals in check so you won't have to hit pause on a good time ahead. Credit Karma's game-changing technology shows you tailored offers for credit cards and personal loans that you're more likely to be approved for so you can apply with more confidence. They use your credit and other financial information to show you custom recommendations. Whether you want cash back, travel rewards, or to consolidate debt, Credit Karma can help you find the offers that fit your goals. With a selection of options and approval odds, you have the power to make informed decisions. Credit Karma. Apply with confidence. 
Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast to learn more and find offers tailored just for you. That's creditkarma.com slash podcast, or you can see offers on the Credit Karma app. Apply with confidence today. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast or the Credit Karma app. Let's do the sixes. It's really, oh my. It's really tough for me down here. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. I mean, my guy Guido's playing. Probably I knew you probably yeah. can't probably can't use Guido. I, I've never seen him play like <laughs> a real event before. Uh, just in scrub Euro fields, but he plays very well in those. Other than that, the numbers. What about this Valko guy? He, he fucking crushes it. Super bomber. Wilco. A band I thought I heard... was Canadian last week, which it turns out they're not. Another South African man. Um, Champ? Yeah. Ch- Champ, did you say? Yeah. Is this going to be like the, is this like the 10th tournament? Like he has nine awful ones in a row and now he's good <laughs> for one? Uh, I would rather just play. Johnny Vegas is also a super driver at this point. Um, I'd probably rather just play him. I don't know if I'd rather play. This range is awful. My God. Well, I can assure you, after people used Rafa Cabrera Bayo this week, that they will not be using him next week. And I think he's made five straight cuts at the U.S. Open. It was really disappointing. Not that I had high expectations for for myself at the Palmetto, but he was awful. He had shown form. Maybe I will just hold on and get him at 1% uh, because... I wonder if people are going to chase EVR. That's another wrinkle that I'm interested in to see. Potentially. I'd even look at someone like Cameron Young down here. He just won on the Corn Ferry Tour. Like, he's a pretty legitimate player. You might get some, like, Will Z vibes from last year. I mean, he's got to be, what, 1% owned? Not even, I would assume? I would guess so. I mean, most people don't know who Cam Young is. They barely play Cam Smith, let alone Cam Young. Like Lantos, Lantos down here. It feels like it should be a good layered course. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you can gain like 11 strokes with the approach, this is just, there's some real, like I, I looked at burn. He's another one. He can't survive off the tee, right? I don't think so. He's playing great right now though. I know. I love that guy. I just worry that he's like, when you make it a three shot hole and it's a par four, uh, that could be an issue. I, I don't know if he can if he can handle it off the tee. The two guys I actually do have interest in. One is Eddie Molinari. Like T to Green, he has been one of the best players in the world on any tour over the past like two months. Will he put himself out of the tournament? It's very likely. He's sixty five hundred bucks. Like you're taking a gamble with anyone down here. And the other one is Taylor Pendrith, the Canadian, low Canadian. That's a bet that you can make right off the hop. But he started. To like play really well on the corn Ferry tour. Like he just kind of mixes around. He was 23rd at the U S open last year. He gains so much off the tee that he has the right skill set for a punt like this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about where is he 64, 65, 65. Okay. Mid six. I think for me, I'd probably rather play steel. Um, just because he's another guy. I just obviously more information, uh, I think name recognition, though, you know, not to steal is going to be popular. No one's going to be popular down here. You got Troy Merritt, who's making some moves. I don't think this is a good course at all for him, though. And that's your guy. So that, that's a, that's big news coming from you. 
I know Troy Merritt is is my guy. I do love that guy, and he's actually been one of the few bright spots. What about Detry? Another one of my guys. I don't know what to make of Detry. Like, there's Detry. Southgate is down here. Like all these Euro guys. I mean, this is why you should probably tune into the European Tour Picks and Bet Show with Skyler and Tom, who go over all of these European players. But Southgate has been really good. I think I played him at Valspar. He was he missed the cut on the number. No, that wasn't him. That was the other guy. The hell was that guy's name? I get all these like weird Brits who never play. In I was gonna game. say I didn't know Southgate was over here. No, it wasn't Southgate. Ah, fuck. What tournament are we talking about? Valspar. Valspar this year. Okay, let's this go to year. the video. Hmm. So I'm going to Valspar and I'm looking for a miscut from someone that's made up. Here we go. Not Michael Vesicki. That's the other guy. Um. Uh, not Sato. Kaplan with man. Sam, it, it's Sam Horsfield who I got it mixed up with. Oh, Sammy boy. Okay. Yeah. As Cam would say. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I get Horsfield and Southgate mixed up all the time. I think Southgate bombs it. Well, that would be good news. And he's been playing, I want to say, really well over on Euro. Matthew Southern. That's not a real name. South. This is just high hitting quality stuff here. Yeah, this is this is the information you need uh batia thigala i mean then there's all these guys that this is all the qualifiers obviously yeah so we got southgate was second in germany the last time out missed the cut in denmark 34th uh in the british masters t20 in canary islands i mean if he does bomb it he's a good player i just don't know i'm gonna have to see how lineup construction goes because unless there's permutations that i'm in love with I, I'm going to really strongly try to avoid all of this. I mean, just for narrative purposes, I can play my guy Grayson Sig. I can the smoke Sig. Sig. I can smoke Sigs on the show when he wins. You could do that. Uh, he's a guy. I've seen his name before, but that's about all. Yeah, he, he, take- he actually suffers from what I always tell Jeff is called Travis Outlaw Syndrome, is that he has such a distinctive name, people actually do remember him. And then if you get remembered for long enough, people just think that you're good, and that's why they're remembering you, not that you just have a weird name. Do you remember Thomas Aiken? Because I, for- I forgot he existed. Uh, I thought he was dead, so that's me. From Yo- him Yo- and Jocko. Oh, my- I remember Jocko. Jocko's on like the, the minor league Euro tour now. He putts with like an actual nub, which is disturbing. Uh, yeah, none of these guys, I think. Uh, Luis Gagne is in the field. Okay. Oh, he sounds um, Francais. Maybe he is Eric Gagne's brother. Maybe he is from Montreal. He's a closer. Uh, this, this is what I'm saying. These guys, I don't know how you go to anyone down here, to be honest, but it's going to be what about going back to people who could potentially actually be plays do you have any interest in Wyndham clark i went and looked at clark he just loses so much on approach that it's 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 so so hard to get to him but he's good at everything else he's got a weird combination of he's a strong driver of the ball and he's a good short game player he's just almost like poston in some ways uh except poston's irons might actually be worse somehow um both those guys, though, they have a weird combination that at least piques my interest. Yeah, Verman, uh, Johan Verman is actually American, plays on the Euro Tour. He's not. He's just been playing very, very poorly. Southgate, I could see. He's 6,200. He's a real player. Hot Fire Dylan Meyer did make the only U.S. Open cut that he's been in. That was at Shinnecock. I just like him because he wears big nerd glasses. He does have cool glasses. Uh... 
his price relative to who he's the only name that I recognize Chan Kim, but I'm not going to play Chan Kim. Your boy for Chan. <laughs> no, I like buy. I'm team bio Kim. We already had this discussion. The guy who was suspended for like decades. Yeah. But remember you brought up Chan Kim for the PGA championship. And I think he made the cut. He did. He came in 23rd. Maybe this guy is a big game hunter. Um, <laughs> None of these other names are even like, I know I keep saying Wilson fur cause that's just a cool name, but there's nothing down here. I, I don't think that it's even remotely worth it unless you're like, I want Rom and Spieth, uh, and I'm going to do something like crazy like that. I, I don't see the need to do that this week though. Let's see. Bryson Brooks, Rory, all in the same lineup. You still even have, you don't even need to go down that low, even with those three. <laughs> yeah. There's, is that Ortiz's brother? Yeah, that's a guy. Ortiz's brother played the Masters as an amateur a few years ago in Carlos Caddy yeah. for him. Elvero Ortiz, I think his name is. Okay. So uh, I, I actually legitimately like Pendrith. I think like he's an actual play at sixty five hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean sixty five. I think I I could have some splashes. Like I said, Steele is there. Um, I'm gonna look into Pendrith. You've got Merritt right above them. You've Ed, got Eddie, Mo- Eddie Molinari has actually been good. Like that's not. Oh yeah, a he's big not. Thing. I have to look into him too. Um, Malnati is here. He's another one I can't imagine him surviving off the tee, but he's a great putter. Jimmy Walker. What about Jimmy Walker, who was on fire at Memorial? I don't know what to make of Jimmy Walker. How did that? Where did that come? Is from? he like kind of back? Cause like I played Luke Donald this week at Palmetto. Cause like he's kind of back, not number one player in the world, Luke Donald, but he's not negative seven with his irons every week anymore. He's like plus two. It's like, Oh my God, what's going on here? Maybe, maybe it takes like four years to heal from Lyme's disease and he's back. Cause that was super, you know, that was the best Jimmy Walker has looked in. I mean, honestly, it's got to be over two years. He's missed three cuts in a row, but like Fratelli has kind of that Wyndham Clark vibe. Great off the tee, great around the greens, and that's about it. I mean, Fratelli to me is truly a perpetual uh, worthy of being in the pool because he can spike randomly and it could be in any category. Like I, I originally thought he was a super strong driver of the ball. I've seen him gain like double digits with the irons. He can become a crazy hot putter and he's actually a good around the green player. So it's just trying to pair up. Like, can you get two of four in any given week? Circling back to Wyndham Clark for a second. I don't think he's the craziest play here. I, th- I think what you, you said, like he's so good around the greens, he can putt half the time and he has so much distance. I think that there are certain ways that, certain profiles of guys kind of compete at the u.s open not not to win but like to generate a top 20 or a top 35 or something like that i feel like remember you hit on the name like trey mullinax like that type of player like wyndham clark is the better version of that type of player yeah there's there is something to that and it's again you're incurring major risk with everyone down here but at least you know that the strengths of his game, I think correlate pretty well to what ideally I, I would want out of any player. So uh, he's probably someone that will get some exposure. You don't need to really have a ton because he's going to be solo owned. Of course. Would Patrick Rogers be in that bucket for you? Honestly, <laughs> I mean, he, he would. Uh, he's again, another guy that I get to in those situations. 
of he's got a weird skill set. And when he's on, it's always prefaced with that. But you always have to incur that. His irons are just horrendous. The thing I'd say that's a little different, though, to me, Wyndham Clark, he spikes a little more, particularly recently. Patrick Rogers spikes within rounds sometimes, but it's rarely been sustained in a 72-hole uh, tournament. He's never missed the cut at a U.S. Open in two appearances. He's come inside the top 50 both times. Like, all you're actually looking for is a made cut from Patrick Rogers. 100%. But he will score, weirdly enough. Uh, it just, he'll shank his irons and then he won't be able to get himself out of the shit from time to time too. But it's, maybe I'll try to sort this and let's see, I did this for one of the things and this will be more so in the, there it is strokes gained past 24 rounds on difficult courses with long rough. And I just sorted by T to green, who are the best players, Rom Morikawa, Hideki, DJ Finau, who is like the best worst player, EVR is the best of the worst players. He is 15th on that list. And then when we keep scrolling down for Telly, Eddie Molinari, strangely enough, is on that list. Shez Reevy. something to this. Shez Reevy, Weisberger is up there. Like, those are guys that play well at those courses. I don't know where Rogers. The point was to get to Rogers, but apparently he's not on that list. I just thought he <laughs> would be. Yeah, that. but you know what? I think there is something kind of to that. EVR is just, I'll be honest, it, it's he's so frustrating because uh, I've bought on him in so many situations. And the only thing I remember him doing was destroying a tee box. That's the only noteworthy thing he's done in months. So that was awesome. Remember how triggered that was people, cool. Remember how triggered Twitter was? People were very upset. And, I'm pro all that. Oh, I love it. I think it's the best. Burn, burn it down. I don't care what you do. Go straight arson. Like, I, I, I have not well, seen golf Twitter as triggered is golf digest just released this new voices in golf inside the magazine. And they put out the names that were in it. And I was actually one of the people in it. Thanks to the support of people like you out there and great guests like Ben and Feinberg and Rick. So it's just really the Pat Mayo experience family uh, that gets the spot, but like no laying up wasn't a part of it because they're already a voice of golf. I think <laughs> would be the reason that they weren't included, but like people were mad that they weren't in it. It's like, I, I think you forget how big the no laying up guys are. Like people take them seriously. They're real voices and real influencers. They're not, they're not up and comers. Certainly not. Uh, yeah, no, they, they can, uh, they can influence things, but we'll see what EVR can do. It's no coincidence that most of these crazy guys they are all South African. That's a, they got crazy golfers over there starting with Louie. It's very, very tough to break down all these guys, a lot of risk, but potentially some reward. They are familiar with Kikuya because that's what they play out of. Like, you always try to see that, like, random dudes pop at Genesis, like, the first time that you see them over. Like, Charles was always good during his prime over there. You've seen Louis pop from time to time. That Maybe there's something to that. I mean, it, I do think there's kind of something to it. I don't know exactly what it is, but a lot of those guys, it's more about the, you know, it, the, the standard deviation is pretty large. The median outcome is not good, but you can get some serious upside with guys like, I mean, we've seen it with EVR. It's just few and far between. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was the 2008 U.S. Open. And I thought this ended up being really instructive at the PGA Championship. We didn't get to the right guys, obviously, because we didn't get to fill. But when we looked at that leaderboard after Rory, it was a bunch of like veteran Euros and not even long hitters. And that's kind of what happened again. Like Phil ended up winning old dude 
Uh, Lowry was up there. Patty Harrington was up there. Harry Harry Eggs, who Tim thought was European, which was hilarious. He thought his name was Harry Eggs. He was from Britain. I think he got him confused with Beef Johnson. Either way, it wasn't the same names, but it was the same type of players that ended up inside the top 10. Then you had Brooks essentially occupying the Rory role, uh, except he came second and not first. So let's throw Tiger out. Tiger Woods, I mean, obviously he's not playing in this field, but there's no Tiger-esque player in this field. Then you look at the rest of them. Rocco. Rocco, Westwood, Robert Carlson, DJ Trahan. It's pretty random. Jeff Ogilvie, the Swedish porn king, Carl Peterson. He was up there at Kiwa Island too. Yeah. Uh, That guy. I I do think, again, this is, it's such a unique test of golf that I've said this for a while that there's something to guys that maybe are a little more veteran knowing how to tone it down. And these guys come from the Corn Ferry Tour or just they've been on the PGA Tour and their mindset now is you got to shoot 20 to 25 under to have a chance to win these tournaments. And I do think that some of them are unable to tone it down. Cause if you try to do that here, of course, it's going to end in absolute disaster. So maybe guys that are more apt to post, you know, 72, 72, uh, you know, to get their card started and they will be amongst the leaders. I don't know if he's actually in the field this week, but uh, Snedeker, who's won here twice, was top 10. I don't think he's here. He's not. He didn't qualify. But yeah, he was inside the top 10 in 20, 2008 as well. A, a lot of good. I mean, Day is not here. Thank God. Well, he didn't even um, try to qualify. No, the net jets. That was more his speed. Ricky, of course, didn't make it. I don't know if Grio tried to qualify, which is obviously a tough hit for the, you know, the USGA. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. There's some guys certainly not here. And that, that is sad. Yeah, not a lot of Brits inside the top 10. No, no, just the one, just Westwood. Merrick, not here. Merrick came sixth that year. He also won at Riviera. Maybe just try to load up on guys. I mean, that would actually really point to like, J- I hope to God J.B. Holmes is in the field because I will <laughs> fucking play him. What about Bubba? I don't, Bubba's won at this course before. I don't remember that, I'm going to be honest. He won Farmers in like 2013, I think. Hmm. I don't know yeah, what I mean, to make of Bubba. He was so bad at Memorial, but it's Bubba. Yeah, I mean, everything. Yeah, I don't even have because he, he did the old, like, I give up. Uh, I'm not coming back after this. He's just, it's almost impossible to know what you're going to get. I, I would I would tend to say I'm probably not going to get there. But, oh, yeah, Bubba did win 2011. Hmm. And going into like I mean, he withdrew obviously from memorial and he came 80th at the pga because of sunday but he was playing well for like two days but 26th at the masters 13th at valspar 18th at wells fargo like, he wasn't playing poorly before that but he was putting and that was really the big thing but maybe he has poa greens figured out a little bit more yeah i mean bubba he always like tries to dive them in which is I don't know him and Adam Scott. I'll be honest. It's very difficult for me to know what to do with them. I'll probably come in close to the field. And that means not playing a lot of them. U S open history for Bubba Watson. 31st, miscut, 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 51st, miscut, miscut, 32nd, miscut, miscut. Not so he's due. <laughs> that, that is your takeaway. Yes, he is. due. <laughs> That's my takeaway. He's due for a big, big time performance. Uh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Bubba's not one to, He's not crazy like Hatton and and Rom style, but he also he can get quite frustrated at, at if things aren't up to certain standards and whatnot. I feel like that hurts Bubba in this element. 
I keep circling back to Cam Smith. Can he not be awful off the tee? Because he can scramble. He's an amazing scrambler. Uh, it's just, I first of all, I, I think I never play Cam Smith, mostly because I feel like he's overpriced. And, and lately the irons now are are flipped along with his bad driving, and that's a killer. He's got to at least you know, make, make up strokes with the approach. Cause the off the tee is never going to be strong. All right. You ready to construct a play the good plays lineup? Always. I don't know if there are any good plays so that that can make it. Oh, time on team Montgomery is in this field. Maybe it's the football player. Uh, where do we even start now? Do you think that we take one of the guys? Like if, do we make a Bryson Brooks lineup, uh, a Rory and DJ lineup? Like these are the, the play, the best plays. A lot of people don't know. You're looking for some sort of floor here. Like what, what's your highest percent chance of six of six that can also get you into a GPP. We've been doing this six weeks now. I don't know how it's going to turn out at Palmetto. I think it's a five of six because Rafa is in it, but five of six is probably going to make the money at Palmetto for sure. Uh, Cause there's a lot of three of six lineups out there. Uh, very, very bad week for people getting six of six through. And that's going to be the same yes. thing this week that you're going to have to get lucky at both the top and bottom end. But if you get five of six, you're probably going to be pretty good. So like, I, I wasn't lying like Xander Hovland, Finau as the start. You still have $7,500 left per player. Um, good. This is good. I, I got it on my screen. I just have 5,900 left. Well, that's not it. Um, <laughs> Did you, what, you try, to, try to throw ROM in there too? I, I didn't I didn't do it correctly. Um, Xander, Hovland, Finau, Casey. All right, let's throw Casey in. I feel like Casey is always in this lineup. Yeah, because he's he's for as knowing as he is, and he I'll never understand how at one point in a tournament he cleared a lateral water hazard the wrong way and then he went back in the water, which nothing will ever top that. He does make a lot of cuts and he's just built for these type of conditions. So So that leaves us with seventy three fifty. So does that mean we go to Ortiz or Wallace at seven thousand or seventy one? You got them, you've got Homa potentially. Yeah, but with Homa, then we're still stuck at 73. Yeah, that's... What about... Uh, I think I got it. Lowry Wallace? Oh, does that work? Yeah. Lowry? It's actually a really good lineup. I like this lineup a lot. Yeah, that uses that even uses all the $50,000 of the salary cap Beautiful. on DraftKings. That, that lineup's not bad. Like, I even think that you could get rid... If you wanted to play Homa instead of Wallace, you could get rid of Casey and use Kokrak. That's fair. No problem with that. Uh, little 2v2s. I'm going to... No joke. I'm going to take this lineup and make, you know, rolling 2v2s uh, against it because I, I love the setup of this six-man six, six man lineup. Can you tell people what rolling 2v2s are in case they do not know? Sure. So you have a lineup like this and this is a great lineup. The problem is it zeroes out and it's very, very popular. So what you do, uh, you pull two guys out uh, and it's like, I'm not going to go into a tangent. There's like a game that you can do with words where it's like you replace one letter and it's the same concept. So basically I, I pull two guys out here and I'll, I'll add in two replacements and then I'll do the same thing. And slowly you're, you're maintaining the core but you're just getting new variations uh, of two V2s and slowly you start to wither away from the original six. But if you hit it, you're going to have a lot of different outs. And that that's one of the things that can be really effective in large field tournaments. Do you think that most people will end up going with a balanced roster like this? Or do you think this is so balanced starting at $9,300 that 
people just will inevitably want to spend up somewhere. I think it's more people are going to want to go balanced, of course, because the the lower ranges is terrible. But I don't think they're going to want to start this slow. Like I think most people are going to click in, uh, like a if they start balanced, a Rory or a JT or a Brooks, someone above, uh, starting with Sander. Yeah, I could even get rid of Casey in this lineup, like I said, and go to Coke Rack yeah. or go go to somewhere else. But yeah, the the nuts and bolts of this, it's funny because. Besides Lowry and Wallace, I probably am not going to have any of these guys in like my actual lineups. I'll play this lineup, obviously, but because uh, we gave it out on the show. But like Finau, Hovland, Xander is just kind of where I'm avoiding, despite the fact that I recognize that they are the good plays. I mean, there's again, there's nothing wrong with playing uh, some really popular plays, but what you need to do is either leave salary or mix it up. And you got plenty of a full 156. You got plenty of opportunities to take some low owned guys if you can find the right one. All right. That will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. If you want to get in the draw for up to $1,000 worth of giveaways, just rewind to the beginning and hit the giveaway section. You can find out what that is. But please do rate, review, and subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast this week. It's major week. We have a ton of football coming out as soon as the tournament starts, plus the live chat. Uh, so it's a week where we can find ourselves vaulting up. The old Apple charts, see if we can knock off the fantasy footballers and become the number one fantasy and sports betting podcast in the United States. I was going to say in the world, but, you know, I don't talk enough about the Premier League in order to become number one in Britain, so that's never going to happen. United States, Canada, and Portugal, for whatever reason, big fans of the Pat Mayo experience. So with your guys' help, with the ratings and reviews, and I'll just put the quick link in the description. You can find it right away. Uh, Take you like 30 seconds. You can win. I mean, there's a $100 cash prize giveaway, but there's a whole bunch of rolling giveaways. I'll try to reward like 20 people or so and give away those winners on on Wednesday, fantasynational.com slash mail for 20% off. Listeners leave link in the description. Benjamin, what do you have this week at awesomeo.com? Yeah, of course. It's going to be a busy week on the golf front. We've got all the other sports covered with the Euros and whatnot, but I'll be sticking to golf this week. We've got the tools, the ownership, all the projections from Alex and the whole team. So if you want to sign up, even just for a week on under $10, go to awesomeo.com slash join. There'll be some promos floating around as well. So it's just going to be a fun week all around. I'm very excited to get this golf started. Oh, you have a bunch of tools. I don't think that's a very nice way to describe your workmates, pal. Well, you know, oh yeah, yeah I see what you did there. Um, but no, it's going to be, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested. You, you said you're not the number one in the world. Are you not excited for the Euros to kick off in soccer today? I am. I, I did do a European tour breakdown and over on the mix feed. And again, you can rate and review that one as well and sub uh, to get into the draw for more Millionaire Maker tickets because uh, they're you know, I'm running dual contests on both sites. And, you know, you can help out Mayo Media Network by subscribing to both of those and the videos and all that stuff for, for more and more content. But I actually am producing a daily euro pick show uh with three separate contributors i'm not hosting it because i don't know anything about international soccer but they do so they're gonna be like 10 minute videos every day previewing each of the three games so i'm excited for that great great stuff to bet uh i'm very excited as well it's gonna be a really good week of sports for sure hey go playing well okay of course he is this tournament ben martin I, i'm not gonna even but there was Oh, Glover. Oh, he lives on the course. It's one of those like web born on the course, grew up on the course. Well, apparently not uh, because some of these players just not even remotely close to the cut line. No, my guy, Bo Bo Van Pelt playing pretty well though. He's going to end up making the cut. He was my $6,100 player of the week. I could have used that. I, I just, 
I need Hank Lebiota to win the tournament. That's my out. Did he That's end up making? I I played Lebiota too. I think he missed the cut. Oh well, it'll be much tougher for him to win the tournament then. So uh, well, be, he's on so. he's on the cut line with two holes to go. No, that's not going to get it done because uh, I'm I'm drawing to straight betting outs this week. DFS is dead. I, I need someone. I need to hit someone on the betting card. All right. Well, good luck to you. I mean, I don't even know if Bo Van Pelt made the cut. He was minus three through six holes or something. So hopefully Story he can end from. up getting there. Great, great end of the show, by the way. Ratings and reviews. Smash the like. Favorite uh, sub 7K play in there. Pendrith for me is the guy I'm going to be playing. But that's me. Low Canadian as well. Thank you all for watching. We'll have shows every single day for the U.S. Open. Someone go win a million bucks. All right. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.